Clint, I have to say this. I'm looking around and I'm telling, I'm being honest here. I see lots of smiles. I see lots of positivity. And I'm just thinking, do we need this? Right. Do we actually need this? Or maybe we're just good to go. Maybe we're all set. Who knows? It's possible. But here's the thing. In life, there are lots of things that can get us down. Internal stuff, the stuff that's like inside, our feelings, our thoughts, you know, physical things that happen, spiritual things that happen. And then, of course, there's the outside stuff, the outside stimuli that could potentially get us down. So it's always good to work on our happiness. One of those things that it makes sense to work on. So I would like to formally welcome all of you, all of us to the Joy Factory. We have an incredible evening in store. This is a happiness workshop with Mrs. Razel Schusterman. I'll introduce her in a moment. But before we do the formal introductions, let me just say this. We are now kind of uh, coming up on the last week or so of the month of Adar Shani, the second Adar. Adar was so good, we have a sequel. Right? And sometimes sequels aren't, aren't as good as the original. You know how it works with sequels, right? Yeah, Star Wars, what are we up to? Like 15, 16, 18, 20, whatever. But when it comes to Adar, the 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 joy and, and the happiness <laughs> and really ratchet it up. I'm just gonna mute everybody's uh, um everybody just so we have a nice clean background, but no no offense to anyone. There's always opportunity to unmute, but we're just gonna create a nice uh, calm background. But anyway, Adar is a month of joy, 30 days of joy this year, two Adars. Right, we have Adar and then the other Adar, and now we have 60 days. That was a joke right there. 60 days of joy. And so if you weren't happy day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, we're up to now like day 51, 52, something like that, 53. So now it's time to ratchet up the joy. Our sages tell us, Mishanichnas Adar Marbin Besimcha. When we enter the month of Adar, we're meant to increase in joy, meant to increase our joy quotient. And this is what we're gathered here tonight to do. One thing we know, and that is that in English, we have one implication of happiness, and in Hebrew, we have another. In English, the word happiness is related to happenstance and haphazard, right? Happiness, it's kind of like hap, things just happen. We typically think of happiness as something that happens to us, right? Like if we get the right job and meet the right person and have the right house and drive the right car, right? Obviously Tesla. And then all these other things, then then, then automatically we'll be happy. Then the happiness will come. It's just going to come to us. But my friends, in Hebrew, there's another reality that is revealed, and that is it's all about being besimcha. It's all about being with joy in a state of joy. Besimcha, if you switch around the letter, spells the word machshava in Hebrew, which means thought. Happiness is not something that happens to us. It's an active and conscious thought process that we work ourselves into. In other words, happiness doesn't come to us. Happiness is something that we create. So my friends, if you wish to create happiness in your lives, you are in the right spot. We are here for the Joy Factory. This is a happiness workshop, and uh, this is the perfect opportunity to enjoy this together as a community, together as individuals living through certainly challenging times, and yet we know that we can create the happiness that we wish to enjoy. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest presenter, Mrs. Razel Schusterman. 
is a mother, teacher, community leader, and positive life coach. She blends positive psychology with the teachings of Torah and Hasidus to help people uncover the tools they need to flourish in a joyful manner. And uh, Mrs. Schusterman is also the, uh, the founder and voice of a tremendous podcast, which I believe is called A Positive Podcast, right? Did I get that right? A Positive Podcast? Okay. All right. So uh, definitely you want to check out A Positive Podcast because it is a, it is a positive podcast. It literally is a positive podcast. And my friends, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Joy Factory as we begin. So please give a warm welcome and a muted but warm round of applause for Mrs. Razel Schuster. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Can you all hear me okay? Like, just give me thumbs up. Turn off the heater. So it's a pleasure to be here. Um, in Atlanta for a few moments. I'll pretend that I'm watching the spring outside my window and the budding flowers while we are sitting in the rainy cold, but we don't have snow, so I'm grateful for that. So I am going to assume um, that if you're here tonight at a Joy Factory, you are interested in finding out how you can increase your own happiness because you're curious about that. And I would bet that many of you that are on tonight are probably naturally happy people. We'll talk about that later because those of us that are learning and want to grow in our happiness are the people that are most happy. And the rabbi started off with giving away one of the main parts of my talk, which is awesome. I love when that happens is that I don't call it the happiness workshop. I call it the joy factory. There's a reason for that. Because like the rabbi said, happiness comes from the root of the word happenstance. And it makes it seem as happiness is just, it happens to you when we know that's not true. Happiness actually is an inside job. It's something that we have to create. And if I were to ask anybody, you know, what do you want to be? I just want to be happy. What do you kids, what do you want for your kids? I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be happy. And well, why? Why do you want to be happy? I don't know. I just want to be happy. It's almost like we don't know why, but we know that we want to be happiness. We want to be happy. We want to have happiness. And happiness has kind of become a goal unto itself. It's like we're all searching for it. We're constantly, we want it, but we don't really know that there's actually something deeper here. And the Jewish approach to this actually is that it's not that happiness is the end goal, but actually happiness is the prize after we do the work. So what do you mean? So what's the actual goal? What is the real thing that we're searching for? We want to be happy? Yes, but we want something deeper. And Yiddishkeit and Torah teaches us that when we serve Hashem and we serve God and we live our most purposeful and meaningful, useful life, that's our real true goal. And I want to begin with that because that's a really important part to start off with. So what's the tool that we use to live a more meaningful, purposeful life? Well, that's joy. And joy is the tool that we use because we know it says in the Torah, Ibdu Hashem b'simcha, serve God with joy. We can do everything without joy or we could do it joyfully. We know that anything we do, if we do it with joy, it gets done better. It's just a way better way of doing it. If you're doing something with happiness, you get through it easier. You can really kind of experience it in a whole different level. So with that, I'm going to welcome you all to the Joy Factory. And I'm going to share my screen with you all. So you could just see here and there some of the things that I have together for all of you. Hold on one second. Let's open up the screen. Can you all see my screen? Yes. Thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the rabbi said, you know, just a little bit about myself and an understanding of where and how I came to be um, a positive psychology practitioner. I don't know if that's coming up as well. 
but I'm a mom of seven children. First of all, that's my first passion in life. And I would say that takes up most of my time as well. And um, I have come to learn about positive psychology in my own experience, in my own life, through my life's challenges, my life experiences. And I want to share some of that wisdom that I've learned with all of you tonight. So I want to start off by telling you the first thing. The most important thing that you need to know is actually that it's the job of marketers to actually and influencers that we see on Instagram and social media to actually tell us that we're unhappy, to let us know that everything that we have is not enough. We need more. And I'm sure you've all heard of the hedonic treadmill where we just kind of keep going, keep going, we want more and we want more and we want more. And we think when we have that house, we'll be happy. And we think when we have this three car garage, then we'll be happy. If we have the Tesla, we'll be happy. And then we get there and we realize we're not really any happier than we were before. But the truth is the more aligned we are with our essence, that's where the magic happens. That's where we can be more joyful. And so I'm going to share with you just a little bit of um, how I came to to the story. So I want to, I don't know, anybody here heard of Dr. Sarno? This is a picture of him right here in the background. So Dr. Yes, Sarno, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. So about four years ago, I experienced debilitating back pain that I couldn't sit. I couldn't uh, drive my car. I couldn't do anything. And it was really, really difficult. I'm a young mom. I have children. I travel about an hour and 20 minutes a day in the car with my kids. I couldn't afford not to be able to sit. I was just too young. And I went for MRIs and tests and acupuncture and everything. And I had a slip disc. And bottom line is, is after a while, I realized I need to, I need to do more. There's, this is not working. And so I came across Dr. Sarno, a family member suggested to read his book. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? How is this book going to help my pain? And yet after reading his book, he has many books, Healing Back Pain, you can get it on Amazon. He talks about the power of the brain and that the pain is real. Yes. The, the brain is holding back oxygen and it's causing us to have this pain. And the reason why it's holding back the oxygen is because our brain is afraid that we won't be able to handle those difficulties that are coming up in our subconscious. We may not even be aware of them. And so he recommends writing out all your resentments, putting it on paper, anything that's bothering you or resentful for coming up, even though we've taught, we've been taught all our life. No, 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 no. Just be happy. Be positive. Don't, don't go there. Don't think about those, those thoughts. If you think about them, they might happen. They might get bigger. But the truth is, is when we stop and we actually get rid of all those negative thoughts and we process them, when we feel them, it actually debilitates, it actually de decreases our pain. And so I started that process and I found that within a few weeks, my back pain was at zero. And I was so blown away by that. I said to myself, if I can control my own pain, what else can this brain do? I, I need to learn more about my brain. I want to understand how the brain works. And that's when I started to um, take a positive psychology courses for nine months and really study how the brain works. And it's interesting, um, you know, this week, actually, this Sunday morning, I woke up and my back was actually hurting me really bad. I couldn't sit. And I right away went to, okay, what do I got to do? Got out my notebook and I started writing, but this is not a Dr. Sarno back pain course. This is more about joy. So don't worry, I'm going to get to the real happiness stuff, but I just wanted to explain to you how it came to be and how it came to be that I actually started learning positive psychology. So is everyone with me? I just want to make sure that I haven't lost anybody. Okay, good. All right. So where am I? All right. Like I said before, and the marketers are trying to convince us that we are not happy. They want to tell us that real joy is if you get that product that they're selling you. 
um, they actually did a study. It's really fascinating. How do Americans fall out on happiness compared to other countries? And I'm not sure exactly what year this study was done, but it's sad to say that we're pretty low on the happiness level. Although we're the most prosperous of all nations, we're not very happy. We're free, but are we really free? We're continuously being told by our marketers and our Instagram followers and influencers that you can't buy happiness, but you can drink it. And Dunkin' Donuts promotes a breakfast sandwich that's the happiest sandwich on earth, right? If you have that cup of coffee from Starbucks, that's real happiness right there. And it's constantly being told us that like even this marketing guru, his name was Earl Puckett, he himself said that our job is to make men and women unhappy with what they have. If you make them unhappy with what they have, then you're selling your product. And that's really, since we're little, since we're young, we've been constantly be told the same message. We're being told the same message. So the question is, is how can we tap into that joy? How can we increase our own happiness in our lives? So I want to start off with a story. It's a great story that I heard about a great, uh, from a great rabbi. His name was Mendel Kutterfoss. And he lived in Stalin's Soviet Union, and he suffered at the hands of the Russians, and he was sent to exile in the Gulag. The Gulag was a slave labor prison. He was there for 10 years. The fact that he survived was miraculous, but he had such incredible stories happen to him. And when he was released after 10 years, he shared many stories about his experience in this gulag. And it, it, these stories that inspired him and he would share with others to inspire them. So he shared this one story that I found to be extremely fascinating. In the gulag, it was forbidden to play cards. If you were caught playing cards, it was, you would be sent to solitary confinement for up to two weeks. And he was in the barracks with all types of people, many, many different types. And every night he would notice that the inmates in his barracks would take out cards and they'd start playing these cards. And he, he was blown away by their, you know, they would just do it. They weren't scared, they would take them out. And all of a sudden they'd make some noise from the card game and all of a sudden there'd be a bang on the door and the warden would come in or the guards would come in and say, what's going on here? It sounds like you're playing cards. And of course they would say, no, no, we don't have any cards. And he would start looking, the guard would look in their pockets and under the mattress, under everywhere that they could and there were no cards to be found and he would leave. And again, a few minutes later, the cards came out again, they were playing and playing and playing. And this would repeat over and over again the, the same night. The next day, Mendel went over to like the leader of this group and his name was Gregory. And he said, Gregory, I don't understand. Every night you pull out these cards, the guards looking for them, what's your secret? Now, Gregory, he knew that Mendel was a God-fearing person and he trusted him. He said, you know what? I trust you. And he said, let me tell you our secret. He said, you know, we have in our barrack, the top pickpocketer of all Russia and his job is that the second the guard walks in, he places the cards in his pocket and the guard never thinks to look in his own pocket. What does he do instead? He looks in everyone else's pockets. He looks under the mattresses. And then as he's about to leave, he again pickpockets the guard and he places the cards back in and we continue our game. And this goes on and on because the guard never thinks to look inside his pocket. When Mendel shared this story years later, he said, I learned so much about how to live your life from this little story. We spend so much of our life looking for everything, not just happiness, in other people's pockets. We convince ourselves, over there, I will learn how to be the best parent. From her, she'll teach me how to be a more calm parent. This person, they'll teach me how, they'll teach me how to you know, be the best chef. This person will teach me, I'll find peace from this person. This person will teach me happiness. When in truth, 
In truth, true answers lie within ourselves. Everything we need, we have within ourselves. That doesn't mean we shouldn't educate ourselves and study and learn, but we need to know that the answers are very specific to who we are. What works for one person may not work for me. I can learn from that person's experience, but I have to make it my own. I need to find things in my own pocket. And it's such a great story in so many levels, specifically with happiness, because happiness is something we have to find within ourselves. We can't say that we're going to find it in somebody else's pocket. And, you know, as we're about to enter Passover soon, where we're going to be experiencing, you know, the Bedikas Hametz, where we search for Hametz, right? We look all around our house for the 10 pieces of bread that we hit. And you know what? Sometimes Hametz, what does Hametz represent? <clears throat> it represents arrogance, right? It's like, you know, bread that's fully blown up compared to matzah, which is nice and thin. And the idea is, is that we need to look within ourselves, within our own pockets and see where we need to fix ourselves. This whole idea that we're gonna change everyone else, right? That doesn't work. The only person that we really can change is ourselves. So we have to look within ourselves and say, where can I increase my own happiness? How can I make myself happier? And that is an incredible secret that we can learn from Remendel in this story about happiness. So again, the more aligned with our essence, with our soul, this is where the magic happens as well. This is where we can be joyful. So I want to share with you a study. You know, I'm, I'm going to share with you this evening a few studies from positive psychology, just to give you an understanding. You know, before, just a background on psychology, for those of you that know a little bit about psychology, it's very young. It's a young, I don't want to say profession, but it's only as new as World War II, technically, is when we really started to learn after World War II about post-traumatic stress, and we started to learn about experiences and it was really starting to become a bigger thing after the Holocaust. I mean, after the World War II, the Holocaust as well, but that's a different part. And many people were studying how the brain works and why people do what they do, but it was more on the side of what people do wrong and why people are, you know, what's wrong with people and what is, you know, how we can help fix them. And positive psychology is the opposite. It's more about where can we go better? Where can we increase? So like, if you walk over to somebody, if I ask you, how are you doing? Um, pick a name, Charna. How are, you, how are you doing? And what would you answer me? What would be a common answer, Charna? What would you say? When I'm mute yourself, just give me one line, what you might say. How are you doing, Charna? Great. Oh, look at her. She's, I was going for fine. Most people tell oh. me fine. Look at her, Charna's great. You know, you're right, Rabbi. I'm not so sure everyone here needs this workshop so well. <laughs> so that's great, Charna, thank you. But most people, when you ask she them how the they're book. doing, Oh, she read the book. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Most people will tell you I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm okay. Because we kind of live our life, you know, we're okay. We're okay. But the truth is, is we actually want to be doing better. We can, we can be great. We can be experiencing life in this true, fulfilled, vital way with, by saying, I'm actually doing great. It can't be great all the time. That wouldn't be possible in life. But fine is not where we want to be. And so I'm sure many of you have heard of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor who started to come up with a theory called logotherapy. He actually had many of these theories um, studied before he was incarcerated in Auschwitz. Um, but being, a, um, being in Auschwitz, he saw many things, obviously, and he learned and he saw that people that had a purpose and had a why were able to survive. Those that really had a reason to survive were able to get through anything. He even said that, you know, at one point, someone in his camp, he noticed was, um, I'm not sure if it was Dr. Frankel who said this or Dr. Eager, 
but they shared the story about somebody who had a dream that they would be um, the the whole the Holocaust would all this would end on New Year's. They'd be you know able to get out of out of Auschwitz, and New Year's came and went, and it didn't happen. And that person dropped dead the next day. Until that moment, they were able. They had hope. They had something to hold on to. The moment they didn't have that anymore, they couldn't continue. And the idea here is that he was noticing is that when people have a purpose and have hope and hope have, have a why they can get through almost anything in their life. And when he came out of Auschwitz, he went back to living in Vienna and continued his job in the hospital that he worked prior to being incarcerated at Auschwitz. And he shared a lot of his studies with his coworkers, but many people did not actually take his teachings at all. It's an actually fascinating story about the Lubavitcher Rebbe with Viktor Frankl, where he actually believed in him and told him to not give up and um, told him to keep doing his work and which he did. And eventually he was noticed for his work and positive psychology actually comes off of, is um, one, of the out, one of the things that came out of um, low therapy. So it's, it, was, it began with Viktor Frankl and be, people before that as well. But the main idea is, is that it's what is right. What is going right in your life? Figure that piece out and build on that. Where are you happy? Find it and build on that. And that is the idea, the basic idea of positive psychology. I want to share with you another concept <clears throat> from, from Hasidus and Kabbalah as well. And I'm trying to share a few of those things with you tonight as well. So how do we, we talked about this in the beginning. How do I implement more joy in my life? How do I get more happiness, right? So you all know the Shema prayer, correct? You're all familiar with the Shema prayer. And the Shema prayer, we say, it says that we need to love Hashem in the Ahaftas, the, with your whole heart, right? You've got to love God with your whole heart. Now, what does that mean to love with your whole heart? You ever love somebody with a half a heart? Love itself actually means loving with your full heart. So the explanation on that, the Rashi, the basic um, explanation, commentary on the Chumash, on this passage says that, what does it mean, with your whole heart? It means you should love him with with both of your inclinations, your evil inclination, your good inclination. And then he adds another line and he says, another thing is, your heart should not be in a fight with God. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean you shouldn't be in a fight with God? Judaism always talks about this idea. We question God. We talk to God. We even sometimes are angry with God. We're, we're not happy with what God's doing. <clears throat> we're, we are allowed to talk to God and question God. So what does it mean your heart shouldn't be in a fight with God here? What does that mean? I should love God with my whole heart it means I shouldn't be in a fight with him. That means I shouldn't. So what's it saying here? And there's a great explanation on this passage. And the great Reb Aaron of Carlin says that your heart shouldn't be in a fight with the space, not with God. Makom is the word that's used for God here. You've heard the word Elohim, Adonai, all those different terms for Hashem, right? Over here in this passage, it's using the word Makom, space, place. And we know that another term for God is actually space because God fills all the space and all the place, all places. But what it's saying here is your heart should not be in the, a fight with the space that you find yourself in. What does that mean? It means that we tell ourselves, if only I lived somewhere else, if I only was born to a different family, if I only had different children that listened to me, if I only had a different spouse that totally got me, if I only lived in warmer weather, then I'd be happy. If I was in a better financial state, I'd be happier. We tell ourselves that the space that I'm in, that's where it's unhappy. That's where my unhappiness is coming from. And here comes the passage and says, no, love God with your whole heart. 
means that you have to accept the space that you're in. And this is true in psychology as well. When you're in a space, if you're using all of your energy to fight the space that you're in or the situation that you're in, you're using up that energy. You can't find the strength to use your energy to make peace with that space. You can't do both at the same time. So you can't be in a fight with your space. If you want to find peace, you have to come to a certain space of acceptance. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to fix our space and make it better. Yes, if we're in a job that's not great, we should look for a better job. If we're in a relationship that's not working, we should look for a better relationship or obviously work to make the relationship better. There's a lot of that instead of just leaving the relationship. So it doesn't mean that we have to ignore it. It means that we have to come to peace with it. We have to make space for it, excuse me. <clears throat> so is everyone with me? Because it's hard sometimes to get a sense of like on Zoom, if everyone's hearing me, okay, great. I wanna share with you all <clears throat> a really interesting study as well. Hold on, I'm just gonna give it for you all. If I could find it, hold on, okay. So a lot of us think that happy people are just born happy. I'm sure you all know somebody that you say, yeah, she's just naturally happier. You know, somebody will tell you, yeah, actually my mother's happy, I'm happy. You know, that's just who I am. I'm naturally unhappy, I'm just not a happy person. And in truth, um, happiness actually has a lot of factors to it. So like I told you, positive psychology took the ideas from um, different concepts in psychology and they tested it out in labs with people and to really get a sense of, well, how true is this? Why are some people happier than other people? Let's figure it out. So they did a study on twins. And one of the things that came out of it was the happiness pie. And this is the happiness pie right in front of you. Okay, here it is. 50% of your happiness comes from your genes. That is true. If your mom's happy, you're gonna be happy. If your father's a nagging fetch, you might be a nagging fetch. You have that upper chance. It's 50%, it's right there. Then 10% of your happiness is from external circumstances. So that means the things that happen to you. <clears throat> if you're hit by a car, you win the lottery, you have a child that's not well, <clears throat> you're not well, you're dealing with situations that are difficult. That's 10% of your happiness. The remaining 40% is actually what you do about it. Intentional activities, what you choose to do about it. Do you choose to wallow and feel bad for yourself? Do you choose to hide under your blankets and just give into it? Or do you choose to come about and say, what am I gonna do about this? What's next? How do I, what is my next step into dealing with this? Excuse me, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so this is just the happiness pie. So when you think, okay, well, yes, 50% of my happiness is my genes, but you still have another 40% or 50% based on your external circumstances to really make a difference. Again, I'm showing you this for a reason. I'm showing you this so that you see that, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm showing this so that you can see that a lot of this the stuff that we're doing is internal work. Like I said, happiness is an inside job. It's something we have to do on our own. We have to get up and say, what am I gonna do about this? How am I gonna deal with this? There's actually been a study, a 75 year long study in Harvard that's on happiness that's been going on. and they found that loneliness <clears throat> is actually one of the main causes of unhappiness for people. Add to that COVID, we know that people are really feeling not connected and lonely. And that is a big 
recipe for unhappiness. And one of the things they found in the study actually is that loneliness is, is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's how they impact on your body. That's how bad being alone is. Humans were created to be together with other humans. That's who we are. <clears throat> we're creatures that want to be connected. We seek connection. And that is one of the biggest um, parts that feel like, you know, we feel unhappy, so we feel sad. So I don't just want to be alone. But when we realize, actually, that's not what we want. We actually want to be with somebody else. We want to be with people. We want to have that connection in our life. And that's why so many of us seek that. Even if we're introverts and we like our own space, we still want to be with others. And that's why it's so important to have relationships and connections with other people. So I want to share with you a really cool study that was done about happiness. So another tool for happiness is smiling, right? If you have a pen or a pencil, take it out <clears throat> and try this. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's go. Everyone, open your screen. I forgot to tell you, you got to open your screens, guys, if you want to be part of this workshop. There's so many great parts coming up that I need your involvement. Right, get that pencil in. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Even the railway doing it. It's hard to talk. Okay, but what do you notice? Huh? Your sides of your mouth are lifted up and you can't help but feel that positive affect, that feeling. You feel it? Right? That's smiling. Jakob's feeling it. Okay. So smiling is actually a tool for happiness. Now, I want to tell you, this is an important piece. I'm not going to, we're going to get into toxic positivity a little bit, but I, the idea is we're not faking it. We got to acknowledge our feelings, but at the same time, there are tools that we can do to increase our happiness. So again, smiling helps induce a positive feeling. They did a study. They took baseball cards from the 1950s. <clears throat> they put them in piles, in three piles, okay? One pile had baseball players that had no smile at all. Then they had a pile of baseball players that kind of had like a forced smile. And then the third pile was baseball players that had a real genuine smile. Then they said, okay, let's see how long these people lived. And this is what they found out. The group that had no smile on average died at 72. The group that had a forced smile, like a fakish kind of smile, died at 75. And the group that had a genuine real smile on average died at the age of 80. The idea here is we don't know who had cancer, who didn't get cancer, who chewed too much tobacco and didn't, you know, than the other player. We don't know all those details. But the idea here is that smiling helps us to be happier. Just the actual putting a smile on our face and greeting somebody with a smile and ourselves in the mirror is very powerful and it's very helpful. Not only that, it helps you boost your immune system. In 2003, they did a study. Um, they took 304 people and they said, okay, let's see how happy these people are in their lives. And they divided them into groups of happy people, not so happy people. Then they gave them the rhinovirus, which is the common cold. And they said, let's see how they do with this. And what they noticed was, is that the happier people were twice as less likely to catch the cold. And those that caught the cold actually their symptoms went away quicker than the other people. So it actually correlates happiness with better immune system. We actually do better. So it's not only that we want happiness, like why do we want to be happy? Why do we want to be happy? Well, because it feels good. It helps us. We live a better life. And again, like we said, said in the beginning, everything we do is just better when we do it with joy and happiness. 
Now your brain is wired to want to be happy and to want to feel good, right? We all love dopamine and we love those feelings of, you know, when we get a hit on our phone or a message, that feeling. But there are other ways to create those chemicals in our brain. And one of the big factors there is, I'm going to say it, exercise. We may not love it. Anybody here exercising? Yeah, good. Basic. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be dogging. It doesn't have to be, you know, major workouts, even a walk, a 20 minute walk. And there's a really incredible thing. Tal Ben Shachar talks about the five minute rule that when you're trying to get yourself to do something and you're having a hard time getting yourself out there to do it, try this. Tell your brain you're just doing it for five minutes. Just five minutes. I'm going to do this for five minutes. It's it. I'm going to get on the treadmill for five minutes. I'm going to go for a walk for five minutes. Usually what happens is <clears throat> your brain, once it does five minutes, is more likely to actually go and do it for longer. And if it doesn't want it, that means that exercise or activity is not for you. Because your brain usually goes, like, oh, I did five minutes. I could do five more minutes. And usually you'll end up doing a lot more because your brain is able to see already, oh, I feel better. I feel a little good. This feels good. I'm going to continue. I like to be outside. Nature, all that really helps induce more positive feelings as well. So that's another important piece. A really important, important tool that I want to share with you all is the tool of gratitude. It is an incredible tool. Gratitude is a very specific, um, it is very much connected to Judaism. So many of our prayers have the word gratitude in it. Many of our, if you look in the prayers, it's, it's just, it, we begin our day with it. Does anybody know the Modani prayer? Right? We start our day, right? We begin our day by saying, grateful am I to God, right? That's the first thing we open our eyes. I'm grateful that I have another day. I have another opportunity. This is the first thing we start our day with because, you know, two feelings can be true at the same time. We can feel on one side of our heart sadness and at the same time on the other side of our heart feel joy. And when we're feeling gratitude, it's really hard when you're tapping into gratitude to also feel sadness at the same time. It's really hard. I always tell this to my teens that one of the best things to help with anxiety is to tap into your gratitude because when you're busy feeling grateful for what you have, it's really hard to be anxious at the same time. It, it can happen, but it's harder for the brain to do that. <clears throat> now I want to teach you something. I'm sure you've all heard of neuroplasticity. This is a basic idea at this point that most people know, right? Neuroplasticity. Anybody know what that idea is? It's okay if you don't. Thumbs up. Okay, good. Some people know. So the idea is that the brain, we used to think that the way the brain works is, is that, okay, kind of imagine a uh, muddy ground and you take a bench and you pull the bench and you make this kind of like mark in the ground. And then when you pull the bench back, you go right to the same place because it's just really easy to pull it right there because it has a grooves already there or walking in snow. I tell these people, well, maybe you guys don't know about snow, but if you walk in snow, that's five feet deep. It's a lot easier if you have footprints and you kind of step in it, step in it, right? The same thing is with the brain. The brain is used to doing certain patterns, certain behaviors. So if you hear a child screaming, your behavior that you usually, oh, you usually do this, usually go to this space. But what we're learning is, is actually neuroplasticity teaches us that you can teach the brain, you can rewire the brain to try different things. And the answer and the secret for that actually is through practice, 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 practice. The more you practice, the better you do. I'm sure you've all have heard of the book, The Outliers, where he talks about the concept that anyone who's famous for any activity that they've ever done, they all have something in common. And that something is 10,000 hours of practice for that activity, basketball, musicians, players, sports, it's practice. 
It's not, you know, yes, some people are born with talent, but if you practice, you, you need that practice to get really good at something. And so the same thing with our brain. If we keep practicing something, we will actually start doing it. I'll give you an example of that, a personal story for me. When I was taking this course, one of the things we had to do was for six weeks, we had to journal every day, gratitude list. That was our assignment. <clears throat> and I, you can't do the same thing. You got to really try to find new things. And it was like, okay, so after three weeks into this, um, I had a wedding of my niece. So I went to the wedding with my family and it was beautiful. And we came back from the wedding. And that night, you know, after a week of being away or a few days being away, my little three-year-old started to get sick and she was vomiting in the bathroom. And my husband and I are at three in the morning, we're cleaning up the, you know, the bathroom. And I turned to my husband and I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful it happened tonight and not last night at the hotel. I mean, imagine there was no washing machine. It'd be terrible. He's like, what, Rachel? Like, you're grateful? I, it's really working. <laughs> and I said to myself, it's true. Usually I'd be like, oh, why do I have to deal with this today? It's such a bad day for me. But my brain is starting to begin to actually see the good because I'm practicing it. And it's such a crazy concept. You know, I don't know if you know this, but anybody here um, have a hard time with short-term memory? Because I do. I, ever since I've had COVID, I really can really forget if I turn the oven on or off, if I took the cake out, small things. And it's hard to remember that stuff. So I actually learned that if you want to take a concept and transfer it from your short-term memory to your long-term memory, what you got to do is you got to take 12 seconds of kind of focusing on it and talking about it and doing things about it to help transfer it. What do I mean by that? Okay. So if I want to remember that I took my vitamins, I'll tell myself, okay, I was in the bathroom. It was right after my shower. I had just brushed my teeth. I had taken the laundry. If I tell myself I'm doing like 12 seconds focusing on this activity, now I'll have an easier time remembering it tomorrow because I've taken it from short-term memory to long-term memory. 12 minutes, 12 seconds. That's what you need, which is fascinating. That's why when we study for tests, if you ever notice, if you're studying for something, if you repeat it to somebody and you teach it to somebody else, you know it better because you're spending time on it and you're actually really having them accept, learn it in a, in a real way. So this is what's so fascinating. Modeani is actually 12 words. And it's an incredible thing. We start our day saying, Modeani, grateful am I. And if you look at the, you know, the words, the actual grammatical way that we say it is actually in Hebrew. You don't say Modeani, you say Ani Modeh. I'm grateful. That would be the more proper way to say it. And yet we say, grateful am I. Again, focusing on the idea that the first thing we start with is gratitude. And if we start our day in a grateful way, the whole day continues in that way. It's harder to go back from it. So that's just a really important tool to remember is gratitude and beginning with that. So I actually want to spend a few minutes doing an interactive activity because I've talked enough, talk, talk, talk. So I want to share with you guys. I don't know if you all, anybody here have the handouts that the rabbi gave you? Okay, good. I'm going to share the screen so you can see it. The, the screen that I'm talking about. Um, this is the one I'll show you. Oops, sorry. Celebrate yourself. Can you see that? If you don't have it, this is what it looks like. So you don't have to. Okay, if you have it. All right. If you don't, you could just take a piece of paper for this activity. So we've been told all our lives not to brag, not to celebrate ourselves, to keep ourselves, especially women, you know, do not talk about your accomplishments. It's just really not okay. It's just not, it's not, it's not appropriate. And the truth is, is that when we take time to stop and think about the things that we've accomplished and really celebrate it, it creates in ourselves the ability to continue and do more because we look back and say, wow. 
actually, I can do things. I can do hard things too. So what I want you to do is I'm challenging you all. I'm challenging you all to write down as many, you don't have to write all 10, but as many things that you can that you're celebrating about yourself. Now, here's the catch. This is not about what you got your kids to do or your spouse to do or how you got to change somebody else. I'm talking about you, what you did that you're proud of. And nothing is too small and nothing is too big. So I want you to take a few minutes, focus on the things. And this could be the last month, the last year, over COVID, whatever it is that you're celebrating, that you've accomplished, that you've done, that you've gotten through. I see people writing. Awesome. Now, I'm going to encourage everyone that's on this group to open up their phone screens because I'd love for you to share. It's very connecting when we're able to share with one another. Obviously, this is optional. You do not have to, but it's a great opportunity for us to connect with one another in a real authentic way. So go for it. Write, it, write down all those thoughts. And you can give me a thumbs up when you've done this so that we could open up the floor for each other to share. Okay, <clears throat> thumbs up if you had a chance to really write this stuff down. If you're still writing, that's fine, keep at it. But I'm gonna ask um, if there's people, if there are some people that would like to share with us what they're celebrating. Um, you know, Bernie Brown talks about this idea that vulnerability is the birthplace of connection. When we are vulnerable with each other, we really connect with one another. That's the true. You wanna really be close to somebody, you wanna connect with somebody, stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to present this perfect life. Just be you and share the true, real version of yourself. And that's where connection truly happens. And I want to get to know you all. So Charna or somebody on your screen raised their hand. So we're going to start with you. Go ahead. Unmute yourself and share with us what you guys are celebrating. I'm starting a new job on Monday. That's a good one. So you're celebrating that you have a new job coming your way. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> And I, so, I celebrate having <clears throat> my job for 43 years. <laughs> that is cool. That is incredible. Good for you, John. That's a long time. Ooh, I'm only 43 years old. That's, oh. that's amazing. <laughs> oh, go, Charna. I love it. Thanks for sharing with us. Okay, Donna, you have your hand up. Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, I'm retired. <laughs> so I've been trying to find things to do. So one of the things, um, I never thought I was all that creative, but I've learned to do glass fusion. So I'm making things out of glass, actually learning to cut it, and make designs and fuse it. I love so it. So I go to a class for that. So I love that. So you're celebrating that you're learning new things, no matter yes. what our ages, that's the beauty. That is yes. where it retired or not retired, working or not working. It's what we are willing to keep learning and relearning and growing. That's where, oh, beautiful. I see some, I see some glass fusions on somebody else's screen too. Beautiful. <laughs> Thanks for sharing with us, Donna. Fred, you want to share us what you're what you're celebrating? Oh, this is Janice. Right. Glass. I'm, oh, good. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Thank no, you, Adele. She's asking. She's asking oh, you. <laughs> I celebrate being being comfortable in my own home. I love that. That is a huge one. Don't take that lightly, guys. Being comfortable in your own home. I love it. That's an, and that's really good timing with COVID and all. So, you know, that's good. That's good, Fred. Thanks for sharing. Um, Susan, I think I saw your hand up. Uh, I'm um, grateful for the fact that I can reach out to other people and help them. And I visit people who are alone and I offer them companionship. I love it. That's so beautiful. You know, that's another- I'm giving you my phone number. <laughs> when you when you give of yourself you truly find happiness that's that's where the magic happens yeah that's beautiful thank you susan thank you anybody else want to share with us raise your thumbs up evan go for it um i'm actually have been training to become a coach myself and it's been a really long couple of years facing a lot of self-doubt and fear and just kind of pushing my boundaries and I finally made it and got my ICF certification last weekend, and I'm Ooh. positioned to open my business soon. So that is very exciting, Evan. Good yeah. for you. Keep it going. That's excellent. And remember, fear is always, you know, false evidence appearing real. That's what it stands for. And yeah. you know, we're all we all of us have that. I remember reading about some Harvard, you know, professor that said the first day of her job, she felt like an imposter. Imposter syndrome is real, and so you're you're in good company but congratulations. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Anybody else want to share before we go on? I will. Okay, go ahead, Yako. Um, just connecting uh, uh, with uh, helping a Ukrainian lady um, kind of psychologically, but also uh, helping her as her parents are trying to get out of uh, Chernobyl. And then going to my brother's uh, 60th birthday party, and we have not always been on good terms. And i um, also uh, wrapped his present in the Ukrainian colors, um, making a Shiva minion last night, uh, and then um, emceeing a, a comedy show at Chabad of, uh, of North uh, of, of Forsyth uh, last week for Forum, and then really just uh, getting the house ready. My other brother's coming into town. So, you know, I, I think that just, there's some big things that I'm resisting, like writing a novel, and that is kind of dragging me down. But besides that, everything looks like you have a lot to celebrate there. There's a lot of things. I'm going to pick up on that one piece where you said you went to your brother's party, even though there's a lot of right there. Gross. That's a big thing because we we feel like we only can be where we're comfortable. And, and that's something that's important to know our boundaries, and know what we're comfortable with. But pushing ourselves to keep growing is such an important piece. It's so it's so beautiful. So I celebrate that with you. Thanks for sharing that with us. OK, 
Um, is there anyone else that wants to share before we go on? Okay. Um, so I want to share with you a really incredible um, tool. And um, I'm going to share it with you because I feel like it has been life-changing for me. And I want you to be able to experience that as well. So this is a sheet that you should have gotten along with um, your handouts. And it's called the ABC model. Actually, I call it the ABCDE model. And it's from Positive Psychology. And it's a really great tool to help yourself when you're dealing with a challenge. So here is how it works. Most things that happen to us that are not great are, we are gonna call those things an activating event. Something happens, okay? Something happens to you or in the environment around you. Now, usually what happens next, or we think what happens next is how we feel about it, right? That's the consequence. But there's something between A and C, and that is the B, the belief. We have a belief or interpretation regarding this activating event that helps us or makes us actually feel the consequence that we feel. So if we're not invited to a party by a certain person, so right away, that's the activating event. Then comes our belief. They don't like me. They don't really enjoy being with me. Um, I didn't make the cut, da, 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 whatever belief that we have there. And what happens is the consequence, we feel bad. We don't feel good. We feel sad. We feel left out. We feel lonely, whatever it is. So the way to combat this is the first thing we do is D, which is the disputation of beliefs. We challenge our beliefs or our narrative around this. And we're like, wait, okay, do I have proof that they don't like me? Do I have proof that I am not loved by this and this person? I don't have proof. The only thing I have is the fact that I wasn't invited, but I don't know the entirety of the story. So this belief that I'm currently having is not accurate. So then we have to come to E, which is an effective new belief, okay? So we kind of have to adopt or implement a new belief that helps us feel differently. Now, sometimes you will see that actually your belief may be true and that can happen. And then we have to deal with the consequence of the feeling. But this model is so important. It helps us be able to deal with a lot of activating events that happen to us that are not necessarily accurate. This is something you can do with children even. It's very powerful. We could all do this exercise. And I'd love to have somebody volunteer, if anyone's open for that, to um, kind of give us something that they're dealing with. And we can kind of apply this to finish off our workshop with that. Is there anybody that'd like to um, volunteer? Come on, come on. Where are my volunteers? Dara? <laughs> you look like you're looking for the mute, unmute button. Maybe I just called on you. Anybody? Okay. Wait, I don't know if she, Sarah's talking to you. I, don't, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Yaakov. Yaakov. Okay, yeah. okay, go ahead. Yaakov, yes. Give us an activating event. Oh, you're muted still, so you got to unmute yourself first. You got to unmute yourself, Yaakov. You're talking, but we don't hear you because you're still muted. Okay. Okay, so I woke up, I woke up, I had a dream, I had an amazing idea for the, for the novel that can, I can dump in all the Hasidists and Native American spirituality and everything, everything and raise awareness for uh, human trafficking and reverse the trail of tears and do this all in one novel. And it is wow. so intimidating because I want to be historically correct. And I'm not that, I mean, I could write the Native American part in my sleep, but the kind of southern you know trailer kind of you know, family and 
down and out. I'm not, I don't have a lot in common um, with those people, but it, I can do it. I can do it. And uh, it, it's just a lot of, I think, um, the What's things that- What's an activating that, event? Give me, a, give me an activating event. Give me something event, that, that's, that, that's, that you're struggling with specifically here. Writing this novel. So wait, so you're saying that you're having a hard time writing the novel? Yes. I have okay. resistance to anything that, that, cl that close to the soul, anything that means thriving, raving success, I have, the closer to the soul it gets, the more resistance I have to, okay. to that. So you're saying that your activating event is that you're having resistance to writing this book. Yeah, big time. Okay. So that's, the, you're having a hard time getting yourself to do this novel and actually write the novel. How's it making you feel that you're not able to write this novel? Uh, what's, what's the consequence it, of it? It, it, it's kind of, I know that this is my path and, and when I do it, it's when I don't do it, it's depressing and I, I feel like I'm wasting time. Okay. It's depressive. So it's because, so you're saying, I want to write this book. I can't write this book as such. I'm feeling really sad and down about it. Mm, yeah. Like I have a resistance to it. It's overcoming the resistance that the internal resistance that's the okay. issue. There's so what do you think you're, what do you, what is a narrative that you're telling yourself here? What do you think your belief is? You know, before we go to you, Yaakov, anyone you want to volunteer, what do you think maybe might, might be a narrative that he might be telling himself? Anybody have any ideas? This is a hard one, Yaakov, that you gave us, by the way. This is like really like he this. Like a deep doesn't book. feel he'll be able to actually write it. There won't be any book in him. Okay, that he can't <laughs> do it, that he doesn't believe that he can do it. Okay, I saw Evan, did you agree with that? Was it something else you wanted to say? Go ahead. Um, it seems like it's something really personal to him and close to his heart. And oftentimes when we engage in endeavors like that, we're almost putting a piece of ourself out into the world. Mm. And so that makes it even more, you know, important for us to try and be kind of perfectionistic about it because if it gets shot yeah. down, it's almost Ouch. like a piece of ourself is getting shot down. So it can be really scary. Yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah, I'm hearing fear as well there. And also, like you said, putting a part of himself into it. So there's a belief, there's a narrative that he's telling himself there. And um, I, what do you think that might be, Yaakov? What do you think you're telling I, yourself? Yeah, I think I think because early on as an adolescent, I, you know, I had, I wanted to do a, a certain path um, and that was Yeshiva University, that was shut down. My parents were like, why are you so idealistic? Why do you wanna do this? Why do you wanna be a philosopher? Why, how do rabbis support themselves? And it was just such garbage, but, I felt that um, that liability, soul, and idealism, and spirit is is liable to for excommunication. Seriously, wow. you're out, and that's how I felt. And then that abandonment was multi generational. My dad and his, you know, literally abandoning. Um, uh, it sounds so. like you're, it's, I, I hear I'm, I'm hearing a lot of like pain coming up as you're talking about this. A lot of a lot of. Um, Difficult emotions I, and um, yeah, yeah. Because if I express this book, then I'm expressing my soul, mm -hmm. and I feel like it could be rejected. Yeah. So, so there's also like there's a lot of layers to it, but there's also a fear of rejection that's coming up for you. And again, um, we don't have time to really dig deeper into this, dig yeah. deep into it. But what I would tell you is to really try this disputing with evidence, like kind of coming up with evidence that you can. If I put my soul into this, will it actually be rejected? 
What would that look like? Kind of really going with that and trying to sure. come up with a, an effective new belief that can be more serving you with regard to this book that Wonderful. can help you, help you kind of combat that. But it's a little deeper and this is a big one, but I, I appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable and letting us know about that, Jacob. And I hope that um, you do put out this book because it sounds fascinating as well. Um, and um, so thank you for that. But I just want to go back again. So this tool, ABCDE, is something you can apply for big things, small things, but it really helps you to be able to distill it down to what is my belief here? Because so many of our feelings that we're experiencing, our feelings are really signs. They're there to tell us something. They're there to remind us about something. And we shouldn't push them away. We should acknowledge them and see what the sign says on it and then actually dispute it with evidence. And if it needs to be really acknowledged, then we got to deal with it. And if it's not, we got to put a new thought around it and kind of come at it from a better space and a better place. You know, I want to share with you all this, this before we finish up because we are coming to the end of our time together. But to truly be happy, we also have to be happy, let, be happy when other people are happy with their other people's successes. And what do I mean by that? You know, they did a study where they told people that everybody can have, um, everyone here can get $100,000. Okay, you, all these people that are participants today, all of you guys, okay, I'm offering you an offer, okay, you could all have $100,000, okay, and everyone else gets $40,000, all the people that are not here today get 40, you get 100, or you can each get $200,000, but all the people not here get $400,000, so they did a study with people they offered them, most people chose to get the less amount because everyone else got less than them. Because I'm as happy only if the person is a little bit less happy than me. And that's something we struggle with as well, that comparison game. We're so busy comparing our outsides with other people's outsides on Facebook and social media in life when we meet them in spaces, but we don't compare our insides with other people's insides. So it's not a fair comparison and it's not a fair game. But the truth is, the more we celebrate other people's happinesses and other people's successes, that's when we really can actually experience true happiness and true joy. Um, I wanna finish off with you with <clears throat> one concept. They did a study, they took a fish, a fish eating fish and they put it in this huge um, tank. And then they put a glass partition and on the other side, they put little fish. And every day this fish would hit that glass wall over and over and over and try to eat these little fish. And then they took out the partition. Wait, excuse me. Before they took out a partition, they noticed that the fish kind of after day after day of trying kind of gave up and kind of like was sitting on the side of the tank. Didn't try to hit the glass partition anymore. Kind of gave up. So they took out the partition to see what would happen. And the little fish were swimming all around the big fish. And the fish didn't do anything. He didn't even try to eat the little fish. This is what they call, or what we call learned helplessness. This is an idea that we have. We think that we tried this and I tried that and I tried this, but look at me, I'm still unhappy. I'm still not able to do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it because I tried everything. But we're humans. We're not a fish. We have the ability to use our brain to really tap into it, to really ask ourselves, well, what else have I not yet tried? Where else is there something else that can help me here? What else can I do that's going to be that, that real, that, that success that's going to take me over the edge? So many people that are successful, we don't know their stories, but they failed many times before they actually were successful. You got to fail before you can succeed. This is something we don't teach our kids. We just say, you just work hard, you'll do well. That's not necessarily true. 
You can work hard and work hard and work hard and still fail. You gotta have a lot of failures. You gotta experience um, pain and suffering. We need to have those parts so that we end up coming to growth, so that we can end up growing. That's what happens with the seed. We plant it in the ground. We take a seed and it literally decomposes completely. It sheds its completely, its outer layer and it's in mud and darkness. And then it becomes a bud. All these struggles that we have in our life, they are chances for us to learn from them and to grow from them. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do about this? How am I going to, how am I going to deal with this? And the biggest question many people ask is why, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to deal with this? Why, why? But that question doesn't serve us. Like Dr. Edith Eager says, pain is universal. It's just, everyone is going to experience pain at some point in their life. Suffering is optional. Suffering, if you choose to suffer, that's a choice we make. And it's so easy to say, well, I, you know, look, I'm dealing with this terrible thing. What do you want me to do? And it's true. It's very hard, but we can do it. And the question we need to be asking ourselves is not why, but what next? What do I do from here? Where do I go from here? And that's an important question. So if we want to be able to serve God with joy, because that's truly where happiness happens. We need to tap into joy. And how do we do that? There's so many different ways. And I hope tonight you've kind of gained a little bit of insight of how you can increase happiness in your life, um, how you can tap into those, those strengths that you have inside of you to kind of build on it and make it bigger and better. And if you have any questions, I'm gonna just take some questions now before we finish off. So anyone has any questions? Yes. Yes, Donna? Yes. Just a, um, a little clarification on that last exercise we did so about the beliefs, so with your example of party, so it's counteracting the initial belief would be, you know, that the person inviting had no more room, right? Something like that. But yeah, but so, but then you, you know, you conclude, but with the caveat, sometimes our initial thought would have been correct. The person did want to invite. Yeah. So how, not, so how do you deal with that? But then also, what if over time some of these exercises result in your the beliefs actually being justified? So then, yeah. Well, I would say so. In that case, for example, first of all, that is true. There are times where we're going to experience being left out. I don't know about you, but you know, even the most popular girl in high school will have her opportunity where she's going to experience rejection. It's going to happen to all of us. So the question is: is when it happens, what are we telling ourselves about it? Now, like you said, if in one case, if you see that your beliefs over and over again are actually accurate, then it's time for some self-reflection. That's why this actually is so important to self-reflect and say, okay, so what am I putting out in the world that's bringing this energy to me? What am I doing? Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree? Is this really my group that I should be working towards? Maybe these are not the people I should be hanging with. Maybe these are not the friends that I should be working towards. Um, whatever the belief is, but if, if there's a lot of proof for something, we need to dig deeper and say, okay, so what is this, what is this proof showing me? That's why the exercise is even more helpful because it's not always going to show you, yeah, oh, that's you. It's actually because they didn't have room for you. No, they didn't have room for you, and yet you didn't make the cut. Also, you know, sometimes we have to see that which we may not want to see. We got to look, dig deeper into it. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that, Donna. So, does anybody else have a question? Okay. So, I just want to tell you, thank you for this opportunity. If you're curious to hear more, you can check out my coaching um, website. It's apositivecoach.com. And like the rabbi said, I do have a, a positive podcast on Anchor and Spotify if you're curious to hear some more. And um, I hope that each of you will um, ask yourselves what next instead of why.
and I wish you a peaceful, happy Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you so very much. much. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay. See you Have all. Thank you so much. Take care. That was awesome.